children are to stay with us for just a few moments and then we'll dismiss you to go to Children's Church. Uh, we have visitors with us today in Ben and Eunice Stoner from New Mexico, uh, Brethren in Christ missionaries working among the beautiful Navajo people. And Ben has a particular word or message he'd like to give to the children first before we get to his message. Ben? I accepted the Lord when I was five years old. I want all the adults to know this too. And the Lord called me to be a missionary then. And 69 years later, I'm still a missionary to the Navajos. So I want the children to know he can call you now. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, the the children may all come forward to volunteer as missionaries. No. When God speaks to them, of course. Thank you, children, for being here. We're glad to have you with us. Glad to have, that you'll have your own sessions. Beautiful. So Ben came from a Brethren in Christ church near East Berlin, the Morning Hour Chapel. That's where he grew up. And uh, his wife Eunice came originally from Lancaster County. And uh, when they were married in 1970, they were married in the month of June. And in August, they went to the Navajo, to New Mexico to serve there. They said, uh, we'll give two years to working there. They've been there ever since serving God, loving the people, um, sharing the good news of Jesus, learning a lot about the Navajo culture, and presenting the gospel. <clears throat> ben, we're glad you're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Shasta Yunus, will ya? A Hawantlan and Le Ashin Yashin. So I'm Ben Stoner, and the Navajos gave us clans, and I belong to the Spanish people clan, and I'm born for the red on top clan. <laughs> and my wife belongs to the many Hogans clan, born for the salt clan. That's how Navajos introduce themselves. They give their clans so you know who they are. So you know how you're related to us. So, got some pictures up here for us. Put your first one up. This just introduces you to Navajo land. Shiprock. Uh, when we went to New Mexico in 1970, we knew we were going to stay at the mission for two years, with the mission for two years. We were there about five months when I said to Eunice, we're going to be here longer than two years. <clears throat> Next picture. We do have a family. These are our three children and their spouses. Joe on the left with his wife, Melissa, behind him. Tim in the middle with Joy behind him. 
and our son-in-law David with our daughter Becky behind him. And the next picture has our grandchildren with us. A couple of them are really big already. <clears throat> so when we went to New Mexico, we didn't have any children or any grandchildren. We'd been married two months. So the next, yeah, right there, that picture. Go to the next one, the verse that uh, has meant so much. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And when I think about that, I realize that there are so many parts to discipleship, so many things that people need to know. And if you read your Bible, see how many different things Jesus said and did. He did a lot of different things with his disciples, with the Pharisees, with everybody else. He did a lot of things. And it was all headed toward discipleship. And so, as a kid, I started visiting neighbors to talk to them about Jesus. I'd walk, this was before I could drive, I'd walk a mile or a mile and a half to some of the neighbors that didn't know the Lord. I felt God's call I thought I was going to, by hearing missionaries from Africa, India, and Japan, and until a couple of years ago, some of them were still missionaries. I thought they were old when I was a kid. But Jake and Nancy Shank were some of those people. They were about 10 years older than me. <laughs> but I remember them coming to our church and speaking. Many parts to making disciples. Turn to the next picture. Johnny B. Dennison was about 74 years old and his wife about 72 when their son asked us to come and visit them because they were having some health problems. And uh, we did, they didn't know anything about the Lord, really. They didn't know anything at that age. So we did the Creation to Christ Bible study, the chronological Bible study starting who's God, uh, where's he come from? You know, he doesn't come from anywhere, you know that. <laughs> uh, where'd the Bible come from? How'd we get it? And then the Satan and his angels, how that happened. And then it starts into Genesis, creation. It goes right through, takes 20 chapters out of 50 to get through Genesis. Six more to get through Exodus. Four more to get through the rest of the Old Testament. And I'll talk about rushing things. And then 20 getting into Jesus. And when it gets to the end, it asks, do you believe? <laughs> and it was a couple of weeks before the end when Johnny B said to me in English, my wife is starting to really, really believes what you're saying. And I looked at him and I said, how about you? He says, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so I let it go at that for that day. But the next week, I was going to ask him, what did you decide? But he just came right out with it. I believe too. Just like that, two weeks. And then I was concerned. Uh, uh, about their growth. And uh, 
They didn't know songs. They didn't know our songs. God uses the stuff we go through as children and adults in college, whatever, and he can use it when you're ministering to other people. When I was a kid, oh, I was a music major at Messiah College. I knew God called me to be a missionary, but I didn't know what to major in, but I majored in music. Uh, when I was a kid, though, there was something that I used to do. I would talk like this and say everything on this tone, and then I'd switch and I'd say it all on this tone, and then I'd say it through my nose, and I'd switch and say it through my nose. I'd talk like that, just playing around. That's all in Navajo. Navajo is tonal, it's got nasal, not nasal. I, when we, I started learning, I was like, I know how to do that. I've been doing that since I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't know God was getting me ready. I didn't know where I was going when I was eight, nine years old. But uh, God used it. So he can use whatever you're going through now, wherever you, he might call you later. You don't know. I knew I was going I I to be a missionary. I didn't know where. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I knew I needed to follow him. Singing that song was great. Follow him. So we went through the creation of Christ with them. And we were dealing then with those people and with lots more people. The next, uh, yeah, he's got it up there. According to animism, people cannot do anything about what nature does to them. They believe spirits in nature control the affairs of men and women. And people with this worldview try to live in harmony with the spirits in nature. They're trying to survive. They don't fight diseases and hard things, but they consider them things to endure. This mindset leads to hopelessness and poverty. And when we heard those words, we're like, oh, that's exactly what we have seen. So much hopelessness and poverty. I have said for many years, I know very few Navajos that are, that are truly financially poor. Very few. But I know very few who don't act like they're poor because they're so emotionally poor. And when they get paid, they squander their money to try to feel good. It doesn't work. You know that. It doesn't work. There are so many things that we've learned about this belief. The stuff that has happened to them that was bad in the past, they're never supposed to talk about anything bad. And for us to learn any of this stuff, I don't know about your cultures, all your cultures. Is it okay to ask questions? Amen. In Navajo, that is absolutely rude. And if you ask them a question, they'll tell you something and you can guarantee it's not the truth. So it doesn't work to ask a Navajo a question. So you listen, and you listen, and you listen, and you listen, and you listen. And you never stop listening. Because you keep learning things as time goes on. Because if you just listen, they'll keep telling you stuff. And it'll be the truth. But if you ask, you're rushing them, they're going to tell you whatever. So don't ask. Don't ask an Navajo anything. Don't even ask them their name. They'll tell you something different. <laughs> the men do that to me a lot if I forget their name. 
You're supposed to learn it on the first time you meet them. That's it. You know it? Don't forget it. Turn to the next picture. Another thing that we've done a lot of is teaching Navajo reading. And this older couple, John and Ethelene Eaton, wanted to learn how to read Navajo. Back in 1980, Fanny Scott, one of the ladies who helped with the Navajo Bible translation, Navajo lady, uh, she said, we translated the Bible into Navajo, now teach them how to read it. Because Navajo hadn't been written down really in much of anything until that time, 1980. They finally had the whole Bible in 1980, and it was redone and rechecked, and they got the whole Bible revised in 2000. Now, there's a lot of Navajos who don't understand Navajo. But for the most part, they don't understand English really, really well, because they mostly learned their English from people who spoke English as a second language. So their language, English is not good. So their children who only know English don't know it well. And they have trouble in school. And it's just, there's a lot of difficulty there. We have to use really simple translations of the Bible in English a lot. Because they just don't get it. Go to, the, oh, the bottom picture there, Raymond John. He was the guy that I taught how to write Navajo. He already knew how to read it, but I taught him how to write it. And he was really fun because every week or every day sometimes he would be calling me, how do you spell, how do you spell this, how do you spell that? And the time got shorter and sh longer and longer between times he'd call me. It got to the point where at one point it went two years when he called me up and asked me how to spell one word. He wasn't sure he had it right. But that was the last time he ever called me to know how to spell a word. Because I had it right, and he just wasn't sure. <laughs> what a blessing to have a Navajo man able to write Navajo. Next picture is a guy, Matt Jr., a fellow that was in an accident. It's about 27 years ago, and broke his neck. So he's a quadriplegic. But... Uh, he didn't know the Lord at the time he had his accident. But I heard from his aunt and uncle who were Christians that he'd accepted the Lord. And they wanted me to go visit him. He wanted to learn how to read Navajo. So I went to his house and started working with him. And I went to his house every week for four years. Sometimes more than once a week. Up to four hours at a time when I did visit. Because many times when you're visiting Navajo, you can't get to the important things. The important thing is always said last. You know how we say thing, the important thing first? They're not listening if you tell it first. They're not listening. You got to talk about other stuff, the easy, light stuff, and then get to the important stuff. I remember so well being at somebody's house. We'd talked for an hour and a half and they just weren't getting serious stuff. And I was starting to get itchy. I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go home. And just then, the lady asked the question of me. And we started talking about it. Before I knew it, I'd been there four hours. 
Matt Jr., when we got through to the New Testament of Jesus and talked about how he fulfilled everything of the Old Testament, <clears throat> one day he said, get my dry erase board, put a line down the middle, put, <clears throat> put Old Testament on this side and put Jesus on this side. And then he started comparing things from the Old Testament and Jesus. I can't remember all the things he said, uh, but he talked about the temple, that Jesus was the temple, the sacrifices they did. Jesus is our sacrifice. And after he just said two things, I was like, this guy's got it. He's got it. And he just kept going. And he had it all the way down through, just perfectly. And when he got done, he said, so am I right? And I said, yeah, you got it. And then he said, now I can say I'm saved. <laughs> He'd gotten saved before I even met him, but he didn't know what he'd done. He didn't have a Bible. He'd never read it. He'd heard a little bit, and he accepted the Lord, but he didn't even know who he'd accepted. He didn't know what he'd done, but I really believe God's Spirit had moved into him, but he still had to learn. He couldn't tell anybody else what he'd done because he didn't know what he'd done. But, but Matt, he showed up at... Uh, appreciation dinner for us and that's the pictures of him talking there <clears throat> so another picture one of the things that I've done a lot of is premarital teaching there's a TEE book that Grace and Fred Holland and some others in Africa did uh, called Christian Family Living and I've had a whole lot of those books and I've used them with couples Navajo couples. And the young couple in the middle, <laughs> the husband in the back, the wife in the front, and their daughter in front of them, uh, they were getting married and uh, asked me to come. So I went through that whole book with them, and they really weren't ready to be finished when we got to the end of the book. I said, so, so how about we get more of the family together and continue Bible study. So his parent, no, her parents, the ones on, on the right side of the picture, Marvin and Millie, uh, they joined us. And after we went through a whole bunch of the creation to Christ together with them, they all became believers. And, and they have continued, we continued meeting with them for a long time. The pandemic kind of stopped us, but I, I call them, they call us, they're doing well. <laughs> uh, we used a method of teaching that works very well with Navajos. Have you heard of Simply the Story? Anybody heard of Simply the Story? Just go online and type in Simply the Story. It'll come up and you can find out what it is. <laughs> but it's basically, tell a story from the Bible, have them tell it back. So that's the second time through. Third time, you tell it again, make some mistakes, and they got to catch you. Fourth time, you tell it gradually, and you talk about what's going on in the story spiritually, what is happening. And then the fifth time, you talk about, as you tell the story again, you talk about what's it saying to us? What do we do with what that says? It's really fascinating. Roderick, 
the young man in the middle of the back. It's his parents on this side. <laughs> but Roderick, he has, I'd say, just about a photographic memory. When I'd tell the story the first time, he'd tell it back, all the details, everything. The rest of the family couldn't do it. Sometimes I'd say, Roderick, wait, let the others try. And they'd start, but they wouldn't start at the beginning, and he'd have to butt in and say, you got to start back here. <laughs> but Roderick would take the stories and go to work the next day and tell them to his co-workers. And I was like, way to go, Roderick. That's making a disciple when he'll go teach what he's learned right off the bat, right away. Next picture. Their daughter, Mackenzie, wanted to be baptized. And this is where we do our baptisms, in the river by Farmington. And uh, I said, Roderick, you help. This water's moving pretty fast. I don't want to lose your daughter down the river. <laughs> but she was 10 years old, and uh, she gave a good testimony, and uh, we baptized her there. Now I've got one more picture. Well, two more pictures, but this one. Now this is uh, Mark Charles. I don't know if any of you have heard that name. He has spoken at Messiah College. He's, in that, he's uh, half Navajo. His father's Navajo. His mother's Dutch. And then he married a Dutch girl. But uh, they had lived on the reservation in Arizona. And he had, they have moved to Washington, D.C., they're not very far from us here. They live about a mile and a half from the Capitol. He is working on what they call the Doctrine of Discovery. How many have heard of the Doctrine of Discovery? Somebody, a few of, a few of you have. Basically, it says this, and it was written by Pope Nicholas V in 1452. But this is how people came to North America. The Doctrine of Discovery says, invade, search out, capture, vanquish, and subdue all pagans whatsoever and other enemies of Christ, wherever they are, and their dominions, possessions, and all goods held and possessed by them, and reduce their persons to perpetual slavery. That's how a lot of the people from other countries came, taking the land. So if you think about it, all of us, or at least most all of us, we live on stolen land. <laughs> I asked a, told a Navajo guy that one day, I said, I know I live on stolen land. He said, and I said to him, what shall I do about that? And Leon said, give it to me. <laughs> okay, Leon. I told him, I'll think about it. <laughs> but it's a difficult thing because it was the Navajos that was stolen from in that area. And it was a Navajo man I was talking to. Mark doesn't want any reparations from the country. He wants the United States to do a public apology that everybody will hear. And then he wants the Native Americans to adopt the immigrants. That's what he wants to see happen. And I'm like, yes, Mark. 
He says, we've had enough of reparations. We've been paid enough of money. We've, we've got health care, all kinds of stuff. They've got enough. They don't need that. But there was an apology written in a big bill some years ago, and it was passed. But how many of you knew that? <laughs> Mark and a group of us actually went to Washington, D.C., and read it out loud and talked about it. We translated into Navajo. I read it in Navajo. And it was in a couple other languages spoken and read there. But didn't get on any news. Personal apology has been a big one for us, to people. I've got one real quick one, and then we'll go to the last picture. James Simpson, a young fellow that I had done their wedding, he was, I was visiting him, and he was sitting across the room, and I was looking at one of these big Time Life books of wars with the Native Americans, big picture, and I just put it down a little bit, and I looked over at James, and I said, James, I bet you're wondering how my people could do that to your people. And he goes, that's exactly what I'm sitting here thinking. This is like 25, 26 years ago. He'd been married two years. I only knew him like three years at that time. But I said, let me tell you, it's like this. There's a little English word called sin. And the middle letter is I. And the people came saying, I want that land. I will take that land. I will do whatever I want to to get that land. I will kill people. I will move them. I'm taking it. And then I looked at him and I said, and I'm sorry. That should have never happened. He got up and grabbed me in his arms and hugged me. He says, thank you for saying that. Every time I see him now, I get a big hug from James. <laughs> Last picture. So what does God want you to do? Where does he want you to go? Who does he want you to talk to about the gospel of our Lord Jesus? When I was a kid, we sang a song. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea. I'll be what you want me to be, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I don't know if I got the words right, but, but I heard a preacher once say, and this is the one I'm going to leave with you. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea or across the street. <laughs> Sometimes that's the hardest place to go. But you're here, we're where we are, we go where the Lord wants us to go. The Lord bless you. Thank you, Ben. Um, we are going to sing one last song together.
Um, this is a little bit of a different vibe than we, usu than we usually close the service with. I'd invite you to stand if you're able to do that. Um, sometimes we close a little more reflective. This is a very peppy song. So we are going to go out with joy and with energy this morning. If you would like prayer, um, all the pastors who are available will be up here. Um, and we'd invite you to come up if you need prayer generally in your life or if you might be feeling a call to missions this morning and would like to pray and process that. We'd invite you to come up and do that. And we'll just sing and worship together in this closing song, Build Your Kingdom Here. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Yeah.
your church on fire Win this nation's back Change the atmosphere Build your kingdom here Build your kingdom here Let the darkness fear Show your This morning, as um, Ben shared, he talked about what we call the Great Commission. And for a lot of us, they're minding to go Great Commission as God calls us to go. Um, and I was reminded years ago in Greek class that in the Greek, it's not go and make disciples. It's having already been sent. Right. And I wish translations would actually change that and say having already been sent, because I think that changes everything. You know, when my parents tell me to go, I think about it, you know, but it's like sometimes people say jump. We say how high in my household. It was like, is this high enough? Right? You got to already be in the air. And I think that's what God wants us to do when we think about mission. Right. It's not this idea that I'm sending you or, or I need you to go. It's having already been sent. So as we prepare to leave this place, may we hold on to that because where you are, God has already sent you. So the question becomes not just simply, where should I go? What should I do for the Lord? But the question is, having already been sent, how are we making disciples? And for some of us, it might be going to Navajo land for a couple of years and staying a lifetime, right? I know for me, I came to Harrisburg for a year. This has been the longest year of my life. But having already been sent, what are you doing to make disciples? How are you telling the story of Jesus simply? How are you not only relying on God, but telling people who God is, what God's done, and what God desires to do in them? Let's pray to God. Father God, we thank you that all of us in this room have already been sent. For those of us who know you, who've accepted you, who've chosen to follow you, whether we're five or 75, Lord, you have already sent us. So Lord, where we are, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities. Yes, Lord, even in our world. Help us to be actively making disciples. Lord, release us of any pressure of, of, of how to say it perfectly or, or how to live perfectly. And help us to remember and remind us, Holy Spirit, that all we ought to be doing is telling the story of Jesus. Telling what God has done in us and being faithful to God as God is faithful to us. And Lord, we thank you for the people who are where we've already been sent. For the people in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces. For the people we are going to interact with even as we leave today. Lord, may they see us and glorify you. And so Lord, now we think of our, our, our missionaries around the world too. Because they have been sent far from home. We pray that this morning is an encouragement to them. We pray that even right now they feel the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you fill them up, Lord, with more faithfulness, with more wisdom, with more discernment, with more love. Lord, let that love so flow in them that the world can't help but feel it too. 
And that same prayer we pray for them, we pray for us too. That we may be filled with more wisdom and compassion and discernment and yes, even more love. Lord, fill us so much that we run over and that we run over so much that our world can't help but feel it too. So now, Lord, as we leave, we thank you for already sending us. Lord, where we are, we praise that we may be faithful. And for the people we meet, Lord, help us to make disciples of Jesus as you've made us followers of Jesus too. In your holy and precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen? God bless you all. Have a good week.